Good day to you. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whatever time of day you're listening to it. Currently, it's about quarter of eight where we're recording it. It's about 50 degrees and mild outside. Uh, quiet night in Woodford's Corner area of Portland, Maine. But little do they know. Mason's Corner. Payson's Corner. Mason's. Mason's Corner. Payson's Park is way far. It's nowhere near Payson's Park. Little corner in Mason's Corner. Uh, We're about to drop something unsuspecting out of the world. And that is a podcast about rock music in 1994. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Less Rock, More Talk, Episode 6, presented... By the Nick Robes Podcast Network. <laughs> Thanks to our generous sponsors, Stamps.com <laughs> and Blue Chew. Uh, Stamps.com is a real lifesaver because if you've ever been to the post office, you know, everybody it's just a cesspool of anger and stress. Uh, the last time I went to the post office, uh, a 65-year-old Vietnamese woman kicked me in the genitals. She was so wound up. Um, so I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to get stamps because I don't want to go to the post office and get kicked in the genitals by a 65 year old Vietnamese woman. I don't know why I'm mentioning her race. It's not really necessary to the story, but that's, that's what a trip to the post office will do to you. It'll make you mildly racist and just filled with stress and anger. But our friends at stamps.com, they'll allow you to buy your stamps on the internet you're not going to get kicked in the nuts. You're just going to enjoy affordable stamps. And it's a good thing you aren't getting kicked in the nuts because then the Blue Chew, it'll be a lot more effective if your genitals haven't been recently kicked in the nuts. You'll just get an erection, pain-free, natural ingredients, chewable. You got to just pop them in. Just start chewing away like it's bubble gum. But you can't like, just be careful with the Blue Chew because it actually tastes pretty good. You don't want to just chew three or four of them in your mouth, or you'll get a super hard dick for like 36 hours, and then you'll go blind. All the blood will rush to your head. You'll pass out. It'll be a sad sight. But if you use Blue Chew responsibly, you'll get uh, a super hard dick for an appropriate length of time. Uh, thanks, Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to our producer of the show, who's enjoying the story about me getting kicked in the genitals and uh, going blind from using too many chewable erectile dysfunction pills. I don't, I don't actually use the erectile dysfunction pills. I just hear about it all over the place. All over Nason's Corner, people are talking <laughs> about Blue Chew. And I'm like, I'm just in Don's baseball card shop. I'm trying to sell my Pokemon cards. And all these old guys, all they want to talk about is Nolan Ryan and boning their wives. <laughs> they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. <laughs> what do you think Don's is selling these days? Are they still selling Pokemon cards? I think they do, yeah. Sport, they sell records, sports too. Sports cards? Is that their big... Sports cards still. They still have sports cards in there. What's paying the bills? I'll be honest. Don's? I've had my eye on a... Uh, a Rocky and Bullwinkle board game 
for a while. At Don's? Yeah, yeah they have like board Dons. games. It's like all and just memorabilia. There's oh, okay. a novelty Christmas Justice League record that I've been I've been eyeing just like what is on there. I want to buy it. I want to listen to it and I want to see is Superman and Wonder Woman singing Baby It's Cold Outside. Like what's happening? So they're kind of like a really sad Newberry Comics. Yeah, it's like a bo- boomer Newberry Comics. Yeah. It's like Bull Moose if they never figured it out. Yeah. Hi, I'm Nick Robes. <laughs> it's our producer, the founder of the Nick Robes podcast, Nick Robes. Neighbor to Don's baseball card shop. <laughs> yeah, Frequent yeah, customer. Uh, not yet, but not someday. Yet. Someday. Someday I'll, I'll get the balls, too. My dad is on the fr- on a first-name basis with Don. Really? Yeah. I think everybody is, because I don't think there's a last name on the storefront. I don't think anybody's walking in and being like... No, his last name uh, is Card. <laughs> Mr. Card. It's Don no. Card's baseball shop. Yeah. And Don's we have a guest. Card. Yes. Um... Yeah, well, let's introduce our guest. He's uh, we're all, we're already tearing it open. Talking. He's already I've, talked plenty let's of times. Check him. So he's uh, one of my oldest friends, a st- one of my uh, battery mates in the Portland Comedy Co-op. Great comedian, great pal, Anders J. Nielsen. Thanks for having me. I never knew the J until yeah. ten milliseconds ago. It stands for Judson. Are you, is that a, a portamento true. of Judd Nelson? Yeah, basically. Huh. All right. Great. Is he the one that went to Deering? Yes. Yep. Yeah. He went. No. To no. Wayne Fleet. Wayne Fleet. He was at Wayne Fleet. What? Anna Kendrick went to. Uh, oh, I know, but I thought didn't. No, he went to Wayne Fleet. Uh, he was a few years before uh, Liv Tyler. Oh fuck. <laughs> Uh, Portland is, insider knowledge. Just so it's many regrets. Famous people. Uh, we might as well go on to talk about Stephen gone, King really quickly. I've gone to the Nelson's house. Oh, his no parents, sense. Merle Nelson. I can't remember his mother's name, but his father, Merle, was like a state senator for a while. Yeah, he's I, a lawyer. Yeah. His law firm now. Yeah, yeah I performed at a, like a, a benefit for Children's Theater of Maine there when I was like 14 or 15. Mm. And... Uh, the Nelsons wouldn't let us use their bathroom. They rented out porta potties specifically for the event. Really? I wanna, yes. I want to say well, this was a Christmas performance, just so you're going outside in the freezing cold to go use a porta potty. Uh, it was it was a summer day, but uh, yeah, that feels worse. Like, doesn't the stench of a porta potty doesn't that like permeate your home? Here's the, it was like just, far away. It was like a, there was like a little trail. There is about one month where a porta potty is actually usable, right? Uh, because what happens is either the stench is so terrible, or uh, it freezes in, in the cold. The breeze comes in from underneath, and it comes right up the poop chute yeah. and goes right. Into your butt, and it is remark. It is a cold like you've never felt. It is wild. Uh, uh, just tales from a construction site. Just letting you know. Uh, but I would never say- felt a chill like the chill on a butthole. Yeah, but there's like a there's like a time in like late April where like it's just cold enough where the poop's not smelling too bad, but that breeze isn't coming right up your butthole, and you're like, you know what? Maybe porta potties. Are the maybe way of somebody, future. Maybe somebody came up with a good idea, and then two weeks later, you're like, "Nope." <laughs> well, as, as fun trivia uh, for less talk, more rock listeners. Uh, Connor and I grew up together, and I would pee in his home bathroom quite often. And his mom had a sign in the bathroom that said, "There's a special place in heaven for the mother of boys." Yep. Aww. 
That's she nice. had three boys, and plus my dad, four boys. You want to save your jacket really quick? <laughs> She's going for it. I got a create. I uh, the the smaller of the two cats is down here today, and she's she's. What's her fun. name? Uh, Daisy. Daisy's very kind, uh, but also uh, a hellion. Uh, so, of course, the point of Last Rock More Talk is well, we discuss the Billboard Rock charts from 1981, from the start of the Billboard Mainstream Rock charts to. 2012, that's when Spotify and Apple Music started taking hold and changing the way that we listen to music. So we discuss the pop music, or the rock music, excuse me, of the 80s and 90s and 2000s predominantly. And uh, this week, for the second week in a row, we're going back to the 90s. This is an era that's, uh, I think, fond memories for all of us. I think this is the era where as a precocious young six-year-old, I was starting to watch MTV and VH1, probably mostly VH1, because my parents were very cautious around, like, if they saw me watching MTV, they would change it. That's, mm. that's Video Hits 1? Video Hits 1. Okay. It's a little bit milder. I remember when uh, MTV used to be music television, and they play music videos. And VH1 actually played videos. Mm-hmm. VH1 at this point in 94 was like the mom rock, dad rock. Just Just Huey Lewis in the news all the time. (laughs) Not Huey so much. Huey was a little bit... Huey around this era was starring in Robert Altman's shortcuts (laughs) and showing off his wang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Another giant member. (laughs) Sure. But I remember I have a lot of Rolling Stones. Ma- I don't have a lot of Rolling Stones magazines, but my dad subscribed to Rolling Stone at this point, and I would go through them. And 1994? 1994, yeah. Mm. This is like my first memories of like current music. Yeah, because uh, what? Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Hunter Thompson was still been alive by this point. Yeah. I don't know if he was still writing for Rolling Stone. Yeah. But... <laughs> Probably. I mean, no, he definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> only only in, in later reading did I know that. But I mean, I was five years old. This is October 22nd, 1994. Yep. Yeah, you just was, turned five years five. old. Yeah. I was uh, about to turn uh, eight. Mm. Yep. So we were all killing it. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was the peak of our existence. Uh, life would just go downhill from here. <laughs> Sprite-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah. We, we knew everything, uh, and all experiences were fun. And we were all looking at our fresh new boners. <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't get a, I didn't get any pubes till fourth grade, but I remember looking at them, and there was like three. <laughs> and I was like... What the fuck? <laughs> That's one of his three memories. For, uh, what is it? For yeah, we're six talking about memories per yeah, year. Eight years. No, three pubes. Eight, eight memories. Three, three pubes. I had three pubes, and I was like, why are you? Yeah, th- th- that took up three of his memories a, from that year. On a previous episode of Less Rock, More Talk, uh, let's say that we didn't film it earlier tonight. Yeah, that's fine. We filmed it. We actually had a video crew in here I've for that I've seen episode. the video. It's wonderful. Really, the cinematography well, I was is. talking about how Mary Lou Henner 
star of taxi and memory expert has a mm. photographic memory she remembers every day of her conscious life she was saying the average person only remembers eight things from a year if you like ask them like what happened in 1994 like what happened in 1997 and i was saying like i was saying like no i remember like way more than eight things from a particular year but i look back i'm like 1994 like well the flintstones movie came back came <laughs> out and like uh, kindergarten I remember, the Lion King. I remember it's mostly movies. things from the Flintstones movie alone. <laughs> sure, the, the B-52's cover of the Flintstones theme. Yep, well, great. The, when this year, I lived on this street that we're recording this podcast on in 1994. Damn. Yeah. Throwback. Colonial He Road. actually lived in the in-law that we're in currently. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my childhood bed right now. <laughs> and it's just it's- a... A pile of rags. And hopefully Celine Dion comes up so we can sing, Cause it's all coming back to me now. Maybe if we do less soft rock, more talk. Yeah, that'll be a spinoff. Or less, yeah. Yes, that's, I got the order. What's the, less rock, more more cock? Yep. So whip it out. (laughs) Less talk, more rock? Less rock, more talk. Less rock, more talk. On my sheet it says less talk, more rock. Yeah, don't look at that. We'll get it corrected by the next episode. <laughs> and the podcast logo Less is coming out. It is coming out at some point. Yeah. This podcast will be Less released. Socks, it currently has a girlfriend, crops. but it will have. I'm going to say this YouTube. podcast will have a shorter production time than Guns N' Roses' Chinese Democracy. Th- th- I think that's a lofty goal, and I'm willing to see that and uh, accept it. I think it'll take less than 14 years for this podcast <laughs> to be released. Definitely. Uh, well, so we are October 22nd, 1994. 1994. Shall 25 we... years ago. <laughs> uh, shall we roll into Let's roll in. the honorable mentions? Honorable in. mentions. Big, speaking of mom rock, speaking of VH1, this is a song I heard a lot on VH1 back in 1994 and 95. Great. Cheryl Crow. Oh, Jesus. Off Tuesday Night Music Club, her breakout hit, All I Wanna Do. Damn. It's a fucking coming in at number thirty five. It's a banger. It's a good It is yeah. a really good song. It's a banger. I can't remember I was listening to some radio show some radio station and it came up and I was I just No it's not. You're right about that. No. This is LA. All I wanna do is have a little it's really loose. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Or at least the, the verse is loose, and that's kind of what makes the chorus so yeah. much more fun. Yeah. It's got, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because there's really no rhyming, there's no structure, she's just riffing. Yeah. It just looks like beat or something. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And I didn't never I didn't realize until like two years ago that the verses were all about like day drinking. Yeah. Like getting you know, loud, yeah. And the people that she's around her yeah. as she's day drinking. It's a lot more cooler now. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, before I just thought it was like a song that my mom listened to in the car. But my mom knew what was up. Here. Just have some fun. Until 
ribbed snake in the background there, rubbing a stick on you. Know? Yeah. Yeah, like a guiro. Is that what it's called? Yep. <laughs> the Tuesday Night Music Club. That's good. That's a that's good That's a good song. one. Good way to start it off. I like that Cheryl yeah. song. It's a great, I think that's a great honorable mention. Uh, I was at 35 that week, just entering the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other honorable mention I have was a song that was debuting that week. Really? And uh, came in at number 21. This is a classic, classic rock band. I think we've mentioned their, the member solo songs before on the podcast. But they had the biggest tour of 1994. Their reunion tour. Back for the first time in 15 oh, that's years. That's sad for 1994. <laughs> the Eagles. Uh, okay. The studio song off of Hell Freezes Over called Get Over It. <laughs> and uh, it's... So part of the conceit of the show is that you don't know what the songs are? Well, that I don't I don't know what the list is. This song, I have no idea. I've never heard this one. Uh, to my knowledge, it's, I might know it. It's when they got bloated and sassy. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that... They're talking uh, back to Generation X. Glenn Fry and Don Henley were still trying to murder Don Felder. <laughs> Yeah, Don Felder was still in the group. I think he didn't leave until like 2000. It's like beer commercial blues rock. Mm-hmm. Solo. If you're not grooving in your jeans. <laughs> it does sound like... Uh... Ooh. Sounds like Kids Bop trying to do ZZ Top. <laughs> it sounds like fulfilling contractual obligations. Ugh. Get over it. I'm mean, fine. Here's the thing. I know that it's trendy not to like the Eagles because of Big Lebowski. And um, I just, there are moments where I like the Eagles. There are moments I oh. don't. The Eagles are fucking great. I I beg to differ this on that. This song is I will not, not say that great. great but I will say that they have most moments. of the good ones were written by Jackson Brown. <laughs> and okay. I think he only wrote like two of them. But there's some great Eagles songs out there. Uh, I, not I think Hotel California. I think Life in the Fast Lane is Life a fun the song. In the city. Uh, uh, That's right. a fucking great song. They have some good ones. Yeah, they have some good ones. Not a That's 19- the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, Witchy I think the woman? Eagles have some good songs. Ah, that one I'm not going to agree with you. <laughs> not 1994, though. No. See, this no. is this is kind of like, we'll see. This is a recurring theme in this week's episode. It's kind of like the last stand for like old classic rock artists. Like this is the 1994. episode that we've done of this? Because wasn't there a 1991 where it, that was happening as well? Yes, but this is like the last, last stand. All right, all right. I'm fine with that. But uh, yeah, the 99 one, they were still kind of like teetering and being like, still being. Yeah, 91 where it was like Stevie Nicks and stuff like that. Yeah. And like everybody was sort of aging and talking about aging. Yeah. Um, but at this just, one, they were they were not just aging, they were aged. They were trying. They were just pull your blue jeans up over your butt and really just get into some eagles. <laughs> Look, I was standing at the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Uh, <laughs> I had yeah, several women. That's on a my great mind. Jackson Brown song. <laughs> Come Eagles. on, baby, don't say maybe. <laughs> uh, 
Well, uh, where are, uh, is this still honorable mentions? Or are we no, we're to? done with honorable mentions. But I would say like probably all the big tours of 94, all yeah. old people. Really? Yeah, because it was like, I don't know, that's the concert, like people who spend a lot of money on tickets. Yeah, because I mean, there aren't kids going to big concerts at the time. There are no. kids going to like uh, whatever. They're going to clubs or theaters or whatever right. it is. They're going to see Metallica. <laughs> this is the beginning of, I think the Eagles Hell Freezes Over tour was the first show that had a $100 ticket. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Is that with Ticketmaster fees? Probably, yeah. But that was like a big outrage at the time. It was like, a $100 ticket? Like, oh my God. Why am I going to go see this this shit? And it's like a phenomenon at this point, like Chuck Klosterman talks about in one of his books, where he's like, people were seeing the Eagles on this tour that didn't even really like the Eagles back in the 70s, but they were like, well, you know, the Eagles. I gotta. All right, the Eagles are back together. <laughs> if, you, if, if somehow, by an act of God, uh, the same night, you had a choice for free tickets to either the Eagles or Chicago. What would you take? Chicago. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Hands down. Oh, Anders? I'd see the Eagles. Really? Look, okay. I like Chicago a lot. Sure. There's more songs that I like from the Eagles than there are. I think there are more songs that I like from the Eagles than Chicago, but I would pick Chicago just because I love the horn section. I feel like Chicago would be a better show. Better show. But I remember... This is not a vote towards the Eagles, but I remember uh, <laughs> PBS or somebody aired like an Eagles concert. You're just and looking I was, for the fights. I was fucking heavy into the Eagles at that time, and I had bought their greatest hits, like expanded edition or whatever. You're singing the uh, the Seven Bridges Roads. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, it had it was oh no, it was after 9/11 because they had a 9/11 song. What? They had a 9/11 song. Oh yeah, they did. What was the 9/11 um, song called? I don't know, but anyway, they had a concert. And I remember watching it, being a big Eagles fan at that time, uh, and I'd moved off Colonial Road, so we don't have to dismerge the street or whatever. Great. Um, and just thinking, they sound exactly like they do in the studio. It's perfectly <laughs> not a live concert. It's like exactly, and that's like what they pride themselves in. Yeah. The Eagles like nail All their, their studio performances live. Right. Yeah. Which is defeats the purpose of seeing somebody live. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm out there with my lady and we're we're listening to some music live, I'm picking the Eagles. Well, all right, all right, fine. I'm going Chicago. <laughs> uh, great. I'd well, rather see Steely Dan. Okay, okay. I get Even that. without the guitarist. No, just Donald Fagan and his. <laughs> just Donald Fagan. His Donald Fagan acapella. I'd la- I'd rather see Donald Fagan with a ukulele. And the, see 40, all of the uh, 40 story steel dildo. Hydraulic <laughs> power steel I'd rather dildo see from Naked Lunch. Steely Dan all on steel drums. <laughs> called, and it's called Steely Drums. <laughs> uh, well, so that brings us to number the countdown. The countdown. Here we go. Connor's Coast to Coast. <laughs> this is the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts for. October 22nd, October 22nd 1994. Uh, coming in at number 10, this is one of the bands we're getting. So 94, another big theme of the year is we're getting towards the end of grunge. Like grunge, not towards the end of it, but the, so, the prime the apex. The mainstreaming of grunge. Yeah. The mainstreaming of grunge. And this is a band that definitely represents the mainstreaming of grunge. Candlebox, <laughs> with their big uh, buzz ballad 
Monster ballads became buzz ballads in the 90s. Yeah. Far behind. White dudes with ill-fitting clothes got hard chubbies to this <laughs> hot track. Yeah. A lot of slow dances. <laughs> oh, God. Used very effectively on Eastbound and Down. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh. And they also recently played Aura. God. So it's like at this point, like grunge is getting like power ballads. Yeah. Like it's becoming a uh, 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 popified to a point where it's like the, the sentimentality needs to like reach the masses. There's also something about this era or like this style of music where the the singer sounded like he was like four feet behind where every other singer would be. He's still too far forward. God, it takes forever to get to the chorus. How long is this song? Here's kind of kind of oh, it's, almost, it's four plus. Yeah. Here we go. But yeah, if like Candlebox came out five years earlier, they'd be a hair metal band. Yeah. It's like that stage. It's like these guys are doing grunge just because it's like, all right, well, it's popular. Yeah, but like we, we might as well be, you know, uh, Guns N' Roses or Def Leppard or something. Yeah. Great. I mean, yeah, I get it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of those kinds of bands, maybe one of the more forgettable ones. Sure. If it was an emoji, it'd be thumbs down. Uh, for number 10 of October 22nd, 1994, yes. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Definitely number 10. But you're right. It is like a slow jam, like, yeah. kind of like, slow, like, like, Close dancing, yeah. Song, almost uh, for that weird reason that Stairway to Heaven played at every middle school dance for no freaking reason, mm-hmm. and then nobody knew what to do when it started rocking out. Yeah, and it was just kind of like, all right, well, we were having a fun time. Yeah, everybody like just like close. separates when the uh, and I, actually at the, wind on down the road. since I was a uh, a loveless soul back then. Uh, <laughs> I, during that part of every middle school dance, I would play the air guitar as all the couples separated from the solo. I would like play the air guitar during like the guitar solo, and then I would like air drum and spaz out during the like the end as we wind on down the road part, and everybody would just kind of stare at me. Great. As someone who went to middle school with Connor, I can proudly say I never went to any of those dances. <laughs> well, you missed out. Not me. even one. Missed the out first to- dance I ever went to was homecoming freshman year of high school, which you were also at. Yeah, there's actually pictures. And of he them. was still doing the uh, at no, Stairway it, to Heaven. Yeah, but he wasn't alone. It was Stairway all to Heaven like played. me and Ferguson and you. It was me and Adam like, Ferguson doing like a little Jesse little Valentine. Chore- yeah, choreography to it. Great. Now they Great. didn't play Stairway to Heaven at the high school dances. Unfortunately, I think oh. they moved on to like Hinder's Lips of an Angel or something. <laughs> but they, we'll, we'll cover that in the 2004 episode. They definitely played Pour Some Sugar on Me though. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was like the 180. In the name of love. <clears throat> uh, great Candlebox Far behind 
So that brings us to number nine. Number nine, another band that had one of the biggest tours of 1994. Their second to last album, uh, Pink Floyd. Ooh. The song called High Hopes off their album, The Division Bell. Yeah, my sister's favorite album. <laughs> what? S- is your sister's favorite album really The Division Bell? No, but it's my sister. It's definitely my sister's favorite. Uh, Has she heard other Pink Floyd albums? Is that the only Pink Floyd album that she's ever heard? No, but that was uh, that was like it caught her right when she was be- like coming of age to Even get into so, Pink Floyd. You the can- good albums had already been released. You could just listen to that. <laughs> uh, she was also big into the Dead. I mean, you I know, know, it was fine. Yeah. What, what song was it again? Oh, uh, the song is called High Hopes. High Hopes. Great. Uh, look, I'm not here to defend her taste at the time or my taste at any given point. Isn't in that time. the? I thought the point of this com- podcast was that you defended your sister's <clears throat> taste in music. Yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> uh, my sister uh, needs to be reckoned with. Yeah. Actually, this is my step grandmother's favorite Pink Floyd album. Also, I wanted to mention it. Shout out to Estelle Cohen. <laughs> uh. This is going to be 10 hours, isn't it? Yeah, this is like an eight-minute song. <laughs> uh, I'm going to set up a sleeping bag. and Yeah. I'm going to skip ahead and just see what happens. Oh, oh we kicked in. The place we lived when we were young In a world of magnets and Is this where Insane Clown Posse were uh, were inspired by their uh, to write their song Miracles? They were like they're talking about a land of magnets, magnets and miracles. <laughs> Wasn't it? It was like also a concept album in some way. The ICP or this? No, this um, the Division Bell. At yeah. the dawn of the internet age, personal seen, commu- it's communication like- became the touchstone of Pink Floyd's second post-Roger Waters album. With Rick Wright and Nick Mason fully reintegrated into the band, the songs are full of spacious Floydian textures beneath deeply personal introspective lyrics. Is this your sister's review of the album? Yeah, no, I'm just reading. She <laughs> she came back. This is her live journal. To iTunes. Yeah, I, I found her, uh, her MySpace blog. No, but it's two Easter Island heads French kissing on the album cover. Yeah. This sounds like kind of like the chanting monster, like uh, New Age. It sounds like Pink Floyd. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's not. It sounds like New Agey Pink Floyd for yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. They were definitely catching on with, to the, uh, like, New Roger Agey Waters vibes added all the edge. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Like, Pink Floyd, I'm not a big, I'm like, I'm, I like, I don't mind classic rock groups changing their lineups. So I'm not a stickler about it. But, like, Pink Floyd without Roger Waters is just like. Yeah. Uh, David Gilmore yeah. did do Comfortably Numb, right? Yeah. Like, was he, was an, he was an important part Which of the I band. Think is a but... great one. Yeah, Roger Waters had all the edge and Yeah. 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 I mean, that was uh I'm not gonna say that that earned number nine, but that was fine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If it came if I put that album high hopes, on, they while called I was it doing... high hopes because that's what the reviews yeah, were before right. the album came out. If I listen if I had that on while I was doing the dishes, I wouldn't be pissed off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Like I'd be like, oh, this yeah. song is playing, and it's I'm I'm happy. To, music to do while you like fill out your taxes. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I don't need anything too distracting. I just want that's actually want to the new pleasant. Pink Floyd album coming out yeah. this year. Music to do your taxes by. <laughs> Pink Floyd 2020. But yeah, even the album titles are kind of bo- got like bo- more boring because it's like the division bell, and then the last one was the endless river. When did animals? Come oh, out? I don't even count that. Animals is dope. That's seventy five, I believe. Yeah, that yeah. was that was still Roger Waters. Okay, uh, wish you were here. Always a great song. Yeah. Well, they had a huge gap between. I don't know what the last might have been. Division Bell. And- yeah. No, I know, but there, well, even before Division Bell, there was a huge gap. Yeah. From, was not the it? wall. No. Uh, what was the first? That. You can look it up, Nick. What was the first? I, this is the first research we've ever they, done. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at 94 basically that. was like I love that Pink gap. Floyd is where we draw the line of yeah. like we need to have this be accurate <laughs> the first Dave Gilmore Pink Floyd album did not to fit like momentary lapse of reason or something like that uh, so it looks like from 67 to 78 we're looking at uh, Saucer Full of Secrets uh, you don't have to go through the whole dis- dis- yeah, yeah. What was the last Dark Side of the Moon it? was 73. In the 80s, 70s and 80s, you've got the wall, Final Cut. Final uh-huh. Cut was the last rock. Final album. Cut oh, was 82. Final Cut. Right, right. The mm-hmm. Final Cut was the one that's that was That's the last a- album before Division Bell, though, right? Uh, momentary Lapse momentary of Reason in 87. Right. But that's also without but Gilmore. even that. Without Roger Waters. Roger Waters. Right. You've got five years in between the Final Cut and Momentary Lapse of Reason, and then you've got uh, uh, 80, you have seven years in between Momentary Lapse of Reason in Divisionville. So, I mean, they're not like pumping out albums. I haven't even heard that last Pink Floyd album. Momentary Lapse of Reason? No, no. The, the final one after the Division Bell. And the one that River? came out like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard it. 2014. It's mostly instrumental. Uh, Endless River. What? Nick it's Mason. Like, why are you calling it? Of why are you calling it Pink Floyd at that point? You know what also, I mean? the Endless River, all I can think of is Billy Joel and River of Dreams. Uh, uh, maybe that's just a me thing. Anyways, all I can think of is my bladder. Number eight. Do you need a break, Anders? No, no, no. I was okay. just making a joke about the endless server. <laughs> uh, number eight is a much more beloved album than Pink Floyd's Division Bell, if you can remember it. A live album. Ooh. Another. We're talking just about posthumous releases. Uh, posthumous. I think it was. It came out, the TV version came out before he died, but the album version of MTV Unplugged, Nirvana, mm-hmm. yep. their song About a Girl came in at number eight. He's a good Damn. One. All right. So, uh, yeah. Let me see here. It's impressive that an al- uh, a, a live version charted Yeah. after a, it had already been released on an, on an album. Yeah. Yep. Utero, and a TV right? special. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. But the uh, the rock charts they play songs that they it's not necessarily singles it's songs on the album and I guess rock stations in 1994 like the MTV Unplugged version mm. of About a Girl if it slaps it slaps <laughs> the MTV's uh, slogan uh, ooh opening track even Uh, Dave Grohl with those uh, goddamn brushes. He could play. He could. He played too loud with sticks. Right. He played too loud with brushes. Some would argue. It's off Bleach. 
Okay, we get it. It's interesting because I think that I think that like Kurt Cobain does benefit a lot from production for his voice. Like I think like when you listen to something like uh, you know like uh, Polywanna Cracker or something, like I think that he benefits from like a really good producer and it makes those songs like palatable. But in that '90s fashion of like you know uh, 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 Billy Corgan or something, like. He doesn't have a bad voice. No, he's a good singer. I wouldn't go that far. But I wouldn't say that he has a bad like voice. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that's like... It's idiosyncratic. He doesn't have yeah. a good voice, per se, but he's a good... He has good technique, and he does well working around his limitations. Yeah. With, like, phrasing and stuff. There was a big... There's a hot take on Twitter today, because somebody, for some fucking... It's because it's Twitter. Somebody posted, like, a Rolling Stones... Like a uh, list from 2008 of the best vocalists, and like Kurt Cobain and Axl Rose and like Bob Dylan were on there, and there weren't like, <laughs> there weren't any like black people on there. It was like a dumb ass Rolling oh, Stones yeah, yeah, list, yeah, and like yeah. then Bob Dylan was trending on Twitter, and I didn't see why, and then I was like, oh my god, Bob Dylan's dead! Like I don't need this on a Monday. Finally, like, like, yeah. <laughs> how did it take this long? <laughs> oh god, Kurt Cobain, man, he's totally mental. <laughs> you know, he's just so mental. But I saw the reason why it was trending was because this somebody this for some reason stupid. posted this stupid ass Rolling Stones list from like 2008. God, I remember. Uh, yeah, all those lists. Uh, top guitarists, top 500 albums of all time. There was so Nobody many. Nobody agreed lists. with any of. Yeah, them. no, it was just it was like the early version of internet trolling. Yeah, like, and exactly. Spin Magazine had the uh, had that best guitarist list that puts Skrillex in like number twelve, <laughs> and he doesn't even play guitar. Skrillex is totally mental. <laughs> well, at some point we'll do the the top ten uh, worst uh, Rolling Stones lists. <laughs> oh, Rolling Stone magazine. <clears throat> Yeah, not Rolling Stone songs. I thought Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger was like, <laughs> Mick Jagger was like, Skrillex totally mental. Skrillex is totally mental, man. Skrillex. But I like to imagine that somebody at Rolling Stone magazine also was saying that. <laughs> I would like to imagine that the Rolling Stones are listening to Skrillex just being like, I, uh, it, it, it uh, it's the Zoolander thing where they're like, the files are in the computer. It's like just a boombox playing Skrillex, and they're all around it just hitting it with like, <laughs> make it stop. Skrillex, Skrillex <laughs> did uh, did a song with the Rolling Stones. Uh, not the Rolling Stones, excuse me. The Doors, the surviving members of the Doors. Really? And that was the last recording that the Doors did before the surviving members of uh, the Doors did before Ray Manzarek died. It also sounds like the worst music to ever be produced. It is, uh, it's exactly what you would expect uh Skrillex and three quarters of the doors. If only somehow Steve Harwell was the singer of it. I thought you were going to say Steve Harvey the for worst. a second. <laughs> no. <laughs> Steve Harwell, uh, uh, lead singer of uh, Smash Mouth. Uh, so. I like that song. That was great. Yeah, the Nirvana song was great. Yeah, it was good. It was good. 
number seven. Well, speaking of Mick Jagger, it's appropriate that we talked about it. Oh, him. no. The Rolling Stones, off their 1994 album Voodoo Lounge, <laughs> a song that uh, was a marginal hit, came in, enough to come in at number seven, a song called You Got Me Rockin'. <laughs> number seven. I will say I'm a huge Rolling Stones fan. <laughs> And uh, I got no problem with the Rolling Stones. How many albums have the Rolling Stones made since then? Uh, let's see. I think. And why? One, Good for them for making albums for I that. Think at least three albums since Voodoo Lounge. Wow. Five years later, Smash Mouth's uh, Astro Lounge would come out. Just a mod. This was uh, the Rolling Stones at this point. Again, the last vestiges of them kind of like maintaining sort of mainstream semi-relevance because they were on the MTV VMAs in 1994. I remember MTV playing their music videos still, not just VH1. I I think Rolling Stones is more punk rock than they're given credit for. Oh, yeah. They're really never lumped. They're always like, oh, it's classic rock. And to me, that's the Eagles and all that stuff. Oh, I think of that as smooth rock. That's like, yeah, rock to me. Yes. I think of classic rock. I think of like, but like Creedence Clearwater is not punk, right? Right. That's Rolling more Stones like, is kind of punk, a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're not punk. punk punk, but they're like kind of inspired punk. They're a little bit there. Yeah, they've got like like more this song. Attitude. This song, like yeah, the, it has more in line with the Ramones than it does with Creedence. You know who else is punk? And I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Okay, fucking Devo. Oh yeah, Devo's definitely. Are we not men? We are Devo. That is a fucking punk album. Yeah, yeah. I think it's they're respected they by the punk community. Than, yeah, than and they Kim cover Mars. the Rolling Stones on that album. And that that ties it all back. Yeah, that's a great cover. But this song, this song, particular song, you got me rocking. is a very transparent attempt to do like a '90s version of "Start Me Up," yeah. and they tried to do it as their like concert opener for a while. Didn't stick as much. I, but I they still play this. it. No, I like it. It's good. As far as like later post tattoo you Rolling Stones albums go, Voodoo Lounge, I would say that's like probably like one of my favorite Rolling Stones uh, later albums. It's got a couple Keith songs on it. Great. Pretty. When did they do the uh, halftime show? 2005. Jesus Christ, that was 11 late. years later. <laughs> the Rolling Stones it honestly feels a, more recently that than that. Yeah. Oh, here's the God. thing. Here's the thing. The Rolling Stones at this point, when they were doing Voodoo Lounge, they were only like 50 years old, and they seemed (laughs) old as shit. They're only 50 years old. The Foo Fighters are probably 50 years old right now, and nobody's (laughs) like- Dave Grohl looks half the age of Mick Jagger at 50. Nobody would be like, oh, the Foo Fighters, these old fucking assholes. But like Rolling Stones in 1994, I was like, these guys are going to drop dead. Any minute. Any minute. When when did they start performing? It was like they were like 17? Yeah. Yeah. They were in their teens. Like Dave Grohl, like Foo Fighters didn't get started until later in Dave Grohl's career. Yeah. But also Dave Grohl probably started when he was like 17. I mean, when did Nirvana start? That's true. He joined in like 90, 91. I do have the Kurt Cobain journals. Do you? Do you have I that book? I want to go yeah. back to it. Yeah, I've always I, thought I cracked about it open. That. You can borrow. You can borrow if you want. Yeah, I might. I might it's a coffee it. table book. It's I've too always big. thought that it'd kind of be an interesting like perusal. I, it's I, a I, massive book. It's hard cover, like big. Yeah, I remember Paul. seeing it's it. It's not like an sized. I remember no. seeing it like a Borders, like back yeah. when Borders was still. a I believe thing. I bought it at Borders. And I and I you know I cracked open the first of it, and it said like. Uh, 
you know, uh, if you find this book, don't read it or whatever. And I was like, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I'm not buying this. <laughs> like, screw you. Well, you listen to the advice. Yeah, I know. I was like, uh, uh, point taken. Uh, uh, Kurt. Anyway, sorry to distract from the wrong stones. Nah, it's fine. It was a good song. You got me rocking. You got me rocking. You got With me. a G. There's no apostrophe. Yeah, it's not apostrophe. There's no, it's not. Yeah, there's no jarring. There's no punctuation in the title of this song. Yeah. Number six. Number six. Probably the biggest selling album of 94. I didn't do any research. Really? Okay. Hootie and the Blowfish. Yes! How did this end up? The, yeah, I lo- uh, I'm so happy. Hold my hand off a of cracked rear view. All right, all right. This is an album. I, uh, I definitely, I, I think I bought this in '95. But uh, my I, parents, well, my parents, I was seven, but I was like, Mom, can I get Cooties and Hootie and the Blowfish? Because I can't imagine my dad would want to listen to Hootie and the Blowfish. Really? Why not? My dad's a little bit more punk rock than that. I think you would think Hootie. Little too, little too mainstream. It's no, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> yeah, my Your dad da- a big No Doubt fan. He's not a big fan, but he owned the he owned a couple New uh, Doubt albums. Uh, Tragic no doubt Kingdom. Albums. I have or a something. lot of like scattered memories. Yeah, <laughs> he was a big fan of Garbage. Maybe that's what oh, you're thinking. He liked Garbage. Oh, uh, uh, Shirley Manson. Yeah. These Hootie and the Blowfish are kind of like the Will '90s Huey Lewis in the News. Yeah, d- dad rock. Yeah, definitely dad. Just rock. like yeah, you just imagine just sitting on your deck, like drinking a Michelob Light. That's life. These kind of songs just sound like a parody of what they're supposed to be. Yeah, like I know they came out and they were new, but it was what it was. Yeah. It sounded. It sounds to me like somebody's doing a modern parody of. What song sounded like? I'll be honest. The, the the fact that there's that Hootie and the Blowfish Bare Naked Ladies tour happening, I'm like, oh my god, I really kind of want to see that. I did see some clips from it. Uh, some dude I follow on YouTube went and he took some videos, and I was like, the uh, uh, Hootie was opening that night, and I was like, oh, Hootie's rocking it. And then Bare Naked Ladies came out, and I was like. Bare Naked Ladies is like kicking the shit out of fucking Darius right now. Like they are great. <laughs> That's without Stephen Page, right? Yeah, it's just Ernie. Ed, Ed. Yeah, I will say Ernie. I don't know why. It looks like an Ernie. Yeah. Uh, but great. Yeah, Hootie. Just Yeah. Sounds like a parody. It does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> We we're so used to that sound, especially since Darius' record. He sounds like a, I don't know. It's almost what Eddie Vedder kind of became of like. Yeah, exactly. I get it, but it's good. Crack rearview mirror. What was this? What was their second album? Fairweather Johnson. Right, because they had no fans. Yeah, uh, found in a lot of cutout bins across them. America. Mm, a lot of head shops reselling that for $2 <laughs> on CD. Uh, head shops? Head shops? That's like a... A, a pot? They like they weed. sell weed. Well, th- but back in the day, you couldn't sell weed at a head shop because weed was legal. Right. They so, sell pipes, though. Well, they would sell pipes and like drug rugs and tapestries. But also like, used copies the, of Fairweather Johnson? Oh, CDs galore. Glow in the dark. 
Bob Marley posters. Yeah, glow in the. Uh, I bought a uh, the reggae artist. <laughs> Bob Marley, the comedian, just up to camp. That yeah. would be a great uh, <laughs> poster. The like, it's a glow like, in the you dark. Know how, like, Bob Marley, yeah, the yeah, comedian. You know how that poster? was huge. Yeah, it would be the glow in the dark. Bob Marley, the comedian, <laughs> and it's like him. And Making a Bob like, Marley face. It says up to camp. I feel like yeah. that it that would be like a great main bit is selling like a almost like a Bartman esque like Bob Marley bongs like like super like or yeah, just Bob Marley Bob up Marley to camp wearing rolling like, papers yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob Marley wearing the like uh, you know hat uh, the like rainbow hat yeah uh, th- that's the you know we we've got a business that's an untapped market listeners look, uh, out, look out for our kiosk in the mall. <laughs> Come on down. To the main I mean, mall. in high school, me and Anders wrote a sketch called Bob Marley and the Whalers <laughs> and spelled W H A L E R S. And we gave the script to Bob Marley himself. And it was supposed to be uh, Bob Marley, the comedian on a whaling vessel. Right. And just being like, what hey, what am, I, what am I doing on a whaling vessel? You guys look like some guys I met in Skowhegan. Hold on. <laughs> Hold up. Uh, come to think of it. Uh, well, this does bring us to the top five. Top five. Top five. Uh, number five. Number October five. October 22nd, 1994. Off his album, his blues album. Ooh. From the Cradle, Eric Clapton with a song called Torn Down. I believe it's a cover of a classic blues song. Again, I did absolutely no research. It sounds like it when I was listening to it earlier. I did, I did enjoy it. All right. So, tore down? T-O-R-E. Tore down. T-O-R-E down. Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah, that part Cream. He's from the band Cream. Uh, I'm more known from Derek and the Dominoes. I'm a big Blind Faith fan. <laughs> well, he's, was he also in the Yardbirds? He was yeah. in the Yardbirds. Mm-hmm. Delaney, Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. Notorious asshole. Eric Clapton. Number one previously, right? That we were talking about. Yes, the very first, very first uh, Billboard mainstream rock chart was uh, number one was Eric Clapton's "I Can't Stand It." I'm all. <laughs> it's just like right in Eric Clapton's like wheelhouse. Exactly. It's like, it's like this is his like, you know. But like, like if it was, it's in the way that you use it. I'd be like, dope. Let's get into that. But like, I don't know. Once it gets into the blues, I'm like, I get it, dude. Yeah. You found out that black people were interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, well done, you. But the <laughs> difference being, he's white. <laughs> right. Uh, the the big shocker. He's a white man. I mean, fine. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the other thing. I think. I think. And this is this is an unpopular opinion. I'm not the biggest fan of the blues. I find. Uh, uh, I, 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 there are some blues artists that I, I semi enjoy, but you like, should see him sitting on his chaise lounge right now. Somebody's feeding him grapes. Yeah, yeah. he's it's talking like, about how he doesn't I don't like, the like blues. poor people. Yeah, I understand the blues. <laughs> um, and uh, anytime there's a plight of an undertrodden people, I just don't get it. You know, I just don't get it. Uh, but I don't know. I mean. I'm, I'm Eric Clapton remember. blues is just really kind of it's like a sanitized, especially at like 1994. Eric Clapton yeah. blues, it's like a very sanitized, just so, kind of like replica of the blues. Yeah, yeah. give me Stevie Ray Vaughan. That shit had balls. 
Wore a lot of cool jackets. Definitely cool jackets and sequins. That was the thing. The hat, like the the cowboy hat. Mm. You ever see that clip of him when he breaks a string and he he keeps going? He makes it through the whole solo with the broken string, and then he pops off the strap, and the guitar tech comes in, and he does not miss a beat while singing. The guitar tech just puts the guitar in front of him. He restraps it, and then just starts playing. It's seamless. And Eric, that Eric was Clapton? when he was high. <laughs> Eric Clapton? No, that's uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, wow. With a sequence and a big hat. I would just say Eric Clapton, him being on, he's in the top five, but I would just say, and he's not the only one in the top five, actually, that I would say this about. It's the same as the Rolling Stones and Pink Floyd and the Eagles. It's just like, it's leftover fame. Like yeah. It's, it's gratuitous. Resting on the fame. laurels. Exactly. Like, people yeah. are like, oh, I've, I loved his previous stuff, so. I'm still going to listen to what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Tears and what is the, what is the metric that they were using? Or the is it the album metric sales. It's not album sales. It's play on plays. rock rock radio stations. But isn't so, that subjective to the people that are playing rock radio stations? Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. But it also like the mainstream Submitted rock charts also people. didn't. It's not necessarily singles. Whereas how, the top Hot 100 has to be songs that were released as singles. Oh, how many dudes are we talking about? Like how many people were? Know. How many radio, radio DJs? Yeah, like is it a hundred? Is it 30? All across yeah, America? It's certainly a lot easier. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get a song on the rock charts than it is the pop charts. Is it 500 people? Is it 1,000 yeah. people? Like, I don't know. It's a certain amount of radio stations. I can We can look it up. We'll get the I don't need to it our right researcher, now, Adam Ferguson. I would love for episode six to be all about this. <laughs> well, this is episode six. Oh, I'd love to episode be. Seven. I'd love episode seven to be all about uh, this. There'll be a breakdown of all of these metrics. <laughs> we'll have uh, to have somebody from, uh, from Billboard magazine we'll get somebody from 558 <laughs> well this is on npr right yep <laughs> number four number four coming in at number four now this is a band that was very relevant in 1994 not re- resting on <laughs> basket case was uh on the charts but it wasn't top 10 no shit yeah okay. i almost that almost it. made it down it was in the mentions. playlist it almost it was in the playlist yeah that's true mm-hmm. it was in the playlist but yeah exactly i forgot i mixed up a song and uh I found out that uh, I read the charts wrong. I thought it was at number 10, but it was actually like 11 or 12. And I was like, oh, Ooh, I need, close, I need new peepers. Close. First uh, concert I ever went to. Green Day? Green Day. Honorable mention. Anyway, go on. Anyways. Number four. Number four is Soundgarden off their okay. album Super Unknown. Song called Fell on Black Days. Okay. And this was a grunge band that my dad did like. My dad was a Soundgarden fan, but they were on. They were close to that, like kind of um, uh, uh, Pearl Jammy sort of like. We're almost a classic rock right. band. Soundgarden opened up for Guns N' Roses. No shit. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you don't have the other headphone on. I didn't know it was stereo. <laughs> in a weird meter yeah. it's in six instead yeah. of uh yep that's four. one of the first thing the wikipedia article on the song mentions it's in thought meter high 
time signature of the song is 6-4. Mm. Cornell said on Fallon Black Days the drums are totally straight. Even though the riff is in six, it doesn't feel quirky at all. Yeah. I can get behind that. Kim Thale said they don't consider the time signature of the song until after the band had written it and said the use of odd meaners was a total accident. Hmm. So, yeah, it doesn't feel like a purposely odd song, but I, yeah. No, it doesn't feel like math rock or anything like that. It's just quirky enough. Yeah. He really does have, like, a unique vocal style within this genre. Yeah. He's like the one guy, grunge guy that can actually really sing. Because he also doesn't have that yeah, no sound. Yeah. You know? I'm good with it. Does anybody else want to listen any more of it? I'm good. In also, words, once again, we're at like five minutes for this song. Four minutes. Four minutes. In the words of the, the butler from It Takes Two... The Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen song. Yeah, yeah, show. with uh, Steve Gutenberg and uh, 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 Kirstie Alley. That's how I know him. In the, in the words of the butler from that show, I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we know Steve Gutenberg. Uh, uh, great. Uh, it, it always is fascinating to me how many of these songs are fine. Uh, and even good, but just didn't have staying power. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not songs that I necessarily put on or listen There's to. There's too many signifiers of a certain sound, like where, like, that song's good, but it, it, it does signify those, yeah, no songs that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That I just think makes it, like, sound dated and also makes me, as a person who generally doesn't like that type of music, say, nah. Yeah. 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 Even though that's a good song. Like, if you just listen to the whole song, you're like, yeah, that's, that was good. Yeah. yeah that's fine. Hmm. Number three. And number three is a song. Uh, it's not on Spotify. Yeah, I haven't I had heard to, this. I had to look it up on YouTube. Really? Uh, it is a live version of Led Zeppelin's Gallows Pole, uh, done by Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on MTV Unleaded. This was another one that I was I'm, I was saying Do like I have to go to YouTube. Okay, it's their carryover from their fame. Yes, it's not like no. But Led I Zeppelin will say was, though, I did yeah, watch yeah. this. They did do a very like unique kind of uh, rendition of it. Uh, it's different enough that it's like oh, they like kind of like reinterpreted the song a little bit. So I would say this is probably the best of the old guys on the chart, is because it's like they switched it up a little bit. I mean, they're literally doing one of their old songs. MTV Unleaded? Is that what Yeah, it's not on Spotify. I don't even know if it's... And we're looking for... What was this? Gallus Paul. Gallus Paul. Okay. Do we have any other sponsors? Yeah, we have... uh, We're sponsored by the Friends of Payson Park. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you're... If you've ever had a sledding trip down the hill in Payson Park, become a friend. Consider... Consider... Fixing the tennis courts. Yeah. Consider smoothing over the, the, the sledding hill so like somebody doesn't <laughs> hit their head on a rock. If you own a paving company, we're considering paving Just all paving, of Payson Park. Pave the we're, whole... gonna, we're gonna call it Pave Paving Park. Pavement Park. Pavement Park. It's right on the boulevard. Great views, great pavement. I don't even know. Pavement Park. This might be it. 
There's actually a few different versions of this. Oh, this isn't it. Thank God the sound's not on. Uh, just actually, we we have a, a a friend in common, Anders, where that's a bit of his. Every time he plays a YouTube video and an ad comes up and he's watching it with his wife, he always says, "Oh, this isn't it." <laughs> it's one of my favorite bits of all time. <clears throat> nope, too old. What is it? When is it from? Just it look doesn't up say. Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, MTV Unplugged. Gallows. Oh, Pole. here we go. Found it. Parentheses, not on Spotify. Not, uh, not on Spotify. Oh, here we go. Nineteen ninety four. I'm gonna be honest. I'm looking at the video, and they don't look that bad. No, they look like Robert Plant, and Robert Plant sounds like he does in the seventies. Like mm-hmm. they did not. They aged well. I think they slept in ice. Yeah. Well, they also, they did, uh, every member of Led Zeppelin except for John Paul Jones made a pact with Satan, allegedly. So that might be why they look so good. I will say that they just showed Jimmy Page not looking so hot. Well, <laughs> He's he was, not looking great. He got a little bit too cold with Satan. <laughs> yeah. Got too uh, in touch with Satan. Too many good deeds. Who is the, does it say who the drummer was at this point? Is it uh, John Bonham? No, it's just Bonham's son? Yeah. No, it's not Jason Bonham. It's somebody Jason. else. It's just some, some I dude. Fucking kid. I couldn't get no gold. You know who you're for. To keep the girls So this version made the charts. Yes. Okay. All the way up at number three. It gets cooking. It, when it gets to the sped up part, it's pretty. pretty. Yeah. I think I see my brother come. Where is this live from? MTV Unplugged, or it was called MTV Unleaded, but it was like they did. Robert Plant was doing MTV Unplugged, but he was like, well, I guess I should get Jimmy Page. So they reunited. They did a couple albums as Page and Plant. I think this is, uh, I, I wanted to point out, this is why bands use their band name even though they're missing original members because like when J- Jimmy Page and Robert Plant did uh, albums as Page and Plant nobody really cared they if they had like, called it Led Zeppelin nobody would have faulted them but they guys yeah. this is basically the same fucking band yeah <laughs> but I respect them that they didn't use Led Zeppelin yeah because John Paul Jones didn't want any part of it but but it's good like they're using the like weird instruments yeah, they got mandolins. Yeah, John Paul Jones too busy uh, producing string arrangements for REM. Is that what he was 94, doing? Yeah, nice. Well, before '94, but yeah, I think. Uh, all right, cool. I'd actually like to watch that whole performance, but yeah. yes. Great. Yeah, I wanted to watch the whole performance after I watched that. I was like, that's, that looks pretty cool. I kind of want to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So number two. Well, speaking of REM, segued, uh, from you their, knew, you son of a bitch. Foreshadowing from their 1994 album Monster. You got the uh, big hit. What's the frequency, Kenneth? <laughs> sometimes I wonder what. Like sometimes they seem like they're 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 funny. You know well, what I'm saying? Do you know the origin? 
Of the name? Of REM? No, the name, what's the frequency Kenneth? No. Do you know? Yeah, you know, I know. You know. I know. Uh, I don't know a shit ton about REM. And I would well, also say- Well, Anders is the guy that's- I'm the guy. This is why I'm on the podcast. Great. Tom Brokaw. Dan right? Rather. Dan Rather. Dan Rather. We've, we've confused him in the past. Dan Rather. That's well, just I for, haven't that's confused That's just for continuity. Yeah, just uh, Dan Rather, news broadcaster, mm-hmm. was walking down uh, Central Park West back to his apartment, and some people uh, assaulted him and, and beat the shit out of him with an umbrella, and they were screaming, what's the frequency, Kenneth? And this, I think it might have been just one. It was person one dude. Or, it was yeah, a mentally guy. ill guy, and he thought like Dan Rather was like putting like beaming frequencies, beaming frequencies into, his head. into his head. Interesting. He was a real tinfoil hat kind of <laughs> guy. Yeah. And so that's probably a Trump supporter from. now. Yeah. But um, Gary Johnson. But REM wanted to make a rock album, and in their eyes, they failed. And that's Monster. Yep. It's their heaviest. Their heavy. It also album. has a lot of. Uh, there's two songs that are dedicated to Kirk Cobain. Hmm. There's Michael Stipe and uh, what's his face for tight. Kirk Cobain. Yeah. If you told me that this was the soundtrack to the Adventures of Pete and Pete, I'd be like, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Michael Stipe was on Pete and Pete. He was. He played the ice cream man. That's right. I couldn't understand. They also say the f- they say fuck in this song. Oh, they, they got not, away with it. Not infamous for uh, uh, swearing, REM. Nice. Yeah, good song. I think it's worthy of number two. I approve. 1994 radio DJs who were playing this. It's a hot album. Monster, check it out. Uh, long distance dedication. 25 years. Anders Nielsen. 25 years. They just re-released it. They're re-releasing it. They're in the. Oh, they're in the process. They're in the process of re-releasing it. Wow. Hmm. Oh. Check that out, REM fans. Yeah. Scott Lit just re uh, remixed it. Ooh. They're all coming to Spotify. And uh, check out the the podcast. Are you listening, Remy? <laughs> I haven't actually yet. I will at some point. Uh, well, exciting! This is it. This is it. The culmination, and gentlemen. October twenty seventh, twenty second, nineteen ninety four. Your number one. This is a song that was in the midst of a fourteen week. I believe it was fourteen weeks. You can double check that, Mister Statistician. But run at number one on the Please Billboard mainstream rock chart. And rock and roll. <laughs> Starship. No. <laughs> same uh, same section of the album store, though. The album store, the music store. Same alphabetized section. Nice. Stone Temple Pilots Ooh. with Interstate Love Song. It was okay. just insane. It was one of the longest running number one songs in the history of the rock charts. And I just remember this song being very prevalent in 1994. I remember seeing the music video for this as a six-year-old hmm. and me being very frightened by it because I didn't like black and white. I think it was in black and white. There's like an old-timey clown. All right. I don't want to watch it again because I don't want to traumatize myself. But I remember it being inadvertently... 
I'll just get played twice a day on WCYY forever. Yeah. God, this takes me back. Should have been R.E.M. But I mean, this is like, this is, that's pretty good. This is also, yeah, no. The definition of yeah, no. Yeah. The riff is good. It's just the vocals. I'm like, why? why? Yeah. Like post Eddie Vedder, everybody doing Eddie yeah. Vedder. Again, Stone Temple Pilots are kind of a band, I think, at the they're just apex of grunge popularity. I would say, like, they're obviously better than, like, Candlebox. Yes. Or Godsmack. Yeah. Somebody like that, but they're a few steps behind the Pearl Jams and Nirvanas mm-hmm. of the world. It's a great riff. It's a great riff. It's, it's a, a good riff. riff. Yeah. I think it's solid. Uh, well, this, of course, brings us to Connor's top five. That was an eclectic and odd list. Yeah. It, it, it was really probably like our most eclectic. A ton, I mean, the fact that you had, you know, uh, uh, you had Stone Temple Pilots, but you also had Nirvana and Candlebox, Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones, and Hootie and the Blowfish, like all sharing. That's yeah. kind of crazy. It's just a weird, like, hodgepodge. Yeah. And R.E.M. I mean, R.E.M., I would say, overall, is the odd man out. Great yeah, song. No, I'm R-E-M, not saying... R.E.M. had no business in any of these lists. <laughs> That's, like, why people like them. Yeah. Uh, top five, guys. And there's what better songs on that album. Sorry. Sure. Go ahead. I'm going to do top five. Yep. I'm going to do... I'll do Soundgarden at number five. Ooh, okay. Um, I'll do Stone Temple Pilots at number four. Mm-hmm. I'll do Nirvana, MTV Unplugged at number three. Mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin Unplugged. Ooh. Gallus, or Page and Plant Unplugged at number two. I'm going to go, I'm a huge Dan Rather fan. And I like uh, What's the Frequency, Kenneth. He actually sang it on stage with R.E.M. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. All right. Uh, I always remember the clip in uh, Charlie Wilson's War when uh, uh, Tom Hanks is like, what is Dan Rather doing in Afghanistan? Uh, would, would Anders, what you got? Top five? Yeah. Wait, did you give R.E.M. number one? Yeah, he gave yeah. R.E.M. number wow. one. Wow. Oh, shit. Which I'm assuming you're doing. He's got a huge boner. <laughs> um, all right. Top five. Uh, okay. Um I would put that Stone Temple Pilot song at number five. Okay. That's pretty good. I like the riff from that. Um, I would put uh, Nirvana about a girl mm-hmm. at number four. I would say Eagles get over it. <laughs> Honorable mention number 21. I put that at number three. <laughs> I like how sassy they are on that song. <laughs> I would actually put R.E.M. What's the Frequency Kenneth at number two. Ooh. It's just better songs on that album. And I would put Cheryl Crow's All I Want to Do from number 35 all the way at number one. Yeah. That's a fucking banger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheryl Crow can get it. Yep. And I don't care who knows it. Yeah. That's a fucking banger. I would... And I think, honestly, if she released that song today, I think it would work. I think it would be work, too. I think that's yeah. a fucking good song. Yep. I think it's. I think it kind of sounds timeless almost. It does. It does. I really... I, it like, I listened to it today because you put it on the playlist, and I was like, 
I'm going to listen to Sheryl Crow now. Like, yeah. Okay. I see you. It's good. The mm-hmm. first three albums are pretty good. Fucking banger. Yeah. But at number zero, I would put... Um, uh, uh, Not on this list, but from R.E.M.'s yeah, Monster. Yeah. <laughs> Either Bang and Blame or... Um, uh, uh, what's the one? Um, I Don't Sleep, I Dream. Uh, U2's Bullet with Oh, Blue you know Sky. what? Never mind. Forget all that. At negative one, I would put Strange Currencies. <laughs> Strange Currencies, for sure, best song in the album. Oh, phenomenal. Right on. Well, guys, we did it. We did it. This has been October 22nd, 1994. 1994. Less rock. More, more talk. talk. Next episode uh, is uh, it's going to be a first. First alternative rock chart. Mm. First. What year? 2000s chart. Mm-hmm. October 30th, 2004. Oh, four. All Oof. rock. We're going to be joined by Michaela Tepler. What is it? The Shins? What the fuck is <laughs> You'll have to tune in. There's going to There's gonna be some new metal on there that for was, sure. There will oh, yeah, definitely be right, a lot yeah. of new metal. Oh. I'm like, oh, four. Well, REM put out Around the Sun. Not a good album. Yeah, that's not going to make it. No. That's, Don't listen to that album. That's not on there. Living New York might be on there. I'm not going to say that anything that made it is going to be better than that but no it probably will be that's a bad album <laughs> uh well thank you so much for tuning yeah, in yeah thank you and we'll see you in. next week uh for october 30th 2004 portland comedy co-op baby check us out